0: So I, I really like the idea of Google, and I think one of the most valuable aspects of Google is if, you, if you're if you just starting out with what is a retirement plan or how much money you need or do I have enough, it is a good idea to, or it can be a good place to go to help you identify what are some of the questions, what are some of the topics, what are some of the things that you should be thinking as it, as it relates to your overall retirement plan. I just had a conversation yesterday morning with a, a gentleman. He said he really, he's been thinking about retirement for a long time, but he didn't think there was much to it, and he was just kind of surfing the channels on the weekend, and he ran across our TV show, and he just, just started watching it. And then as he watched more and more, he realized there's a lot more to retirement planning than what he ever realized. And he started thinking about all the questions that he had. And he said, as he watched more and more shows, because he watched it, he says he watches it every week now, as he watched more and more shows, he just keeps coming up with more and more questions. So you don't want to write your plan off of a TV show. You don't want to write your plan off of a Google search, but those can be good mediums to help you identify, here's some things you should be thinking about. It gets the brain moving. Uh, And then when you engage with the retirement, retirement planner, that's where you put all the information together in a customized way that reflects what your retirement vision really is. And that's how you can really accomplish all these things that you're trying to accomplish. And you can do it with so much more confidence than trying to weed through 7.2 billion hits through Google.
1: Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. I'm Molly Nelson. I'm here with Rochelle Smith and across from me and Rochelle is sitting Lauren Merkel. He's a certified financial fiduciary, a certified financial planner, and a retirement income certified professional. And he, like most of you listening and like Rochelle and I, is a certified Googler. You Google it. You guys Google stuff? All the time. All the time. It's, it's a verb right now. We can call it a verb. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. We can Google it. So in preparation of today's podcast, which is your retirement is more than a Google search. We went ahead and checked our Google search history. Lauren, what'd you find?
0: (laughs) I found, uh, (laughs) how, what happens when your HBO max app isn't working on your TV?
1: that and I, I several you several searches about that
0: oh it was my top 10
1: okay so what was happening you're at home you're trying to watch was, hbo max was, and it wasn't working it was, clearly? just kept
0: circling just kept circling and i turned the tv off wouldn't work i went to the updates see if there was an update necessary that 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 wasn't necessary so i just googled it and it was very helpful three minutes later it worked
1: you had the answer right That's at right. our fingertips Rochelle, what did you Google most recently?
2: Well, both of you are on your phones, so I'm on my computer. Mine has been since this morning. I did FSA designation, and I also did wine night at Trostel's Green Rock. That first
1: one, I was kind of like, oh, I Googled work stuff. Oh, good for you, Rochelle. But then the real, <laughs> the real hard hitting stuff came out the wine night. At Trostle's Dish.
0: See, we have the wine in example. Right outside the top 10 is a wine Google search. Yeah.
1: For you? Your yeah. wine was yeah, after, after HBO Max wine. And then I think you said, then if you scroll down a little bit more, we had some financial stuff in there too. Yeah, there
0: was. I was Googling a financial competitor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what about you, Molly? Uh, my Google search is Elizabeth Holmes. I'm listening to a podcast about her, that Theranos CEO that's yep. uh, on trial this week. And then I looked at the rest of them. And the next like 12 are all back to school stuff for my kids. So like every teacher has a different app they use. I've got four children. Well, two are twins and then same class, but all three of the teachers I have to contact have a different app they use. You have to download it. So all mine were trying to get the kids set up for the apps. Oh jeez. That's the stage I'm in.
0: <laughs> it's my stage <laughs> of life and but mission completed.
1: Mission complete. I've got I can I can communicate with the teachers. One teacher even has two apps that
0: she uses. Oh, geez just make it easier. (laughs) Yes,
1: (laughs) thank you, yes. So we all know that a Google search, Googling, searching, it is part of our everyday life. A recent study that came out showed that people find their financial advice, 30% of people surveyed, they they asked about 1,000 people, find their financial advice Googling it. Lauren, we talked about this study in depth. What was your first reaction when you found out this is how people are getting financial advice?
0: My first reaction is I thought it would be a little bit higher and maybe it's how they define receiving financial advice, but uh, people Google everything. And, and when you are in the world of retirement planning, there's so much complexity to retirement planning, right? You, you obtain age 62. Now, you know, you're eligible for social security. One of the first places that I would think many people would go would be Google. Sure. Uh, Especially when you see report out, which I saw yesterday, where now it's expected that social security is going to run out of funds one year earlier than what they said yesterday. Right. So you you get all this material coming at you. You already have questions on it. I figured it would would be a lot higher.
1: We will link the article that we're referring to in the show notes, the article where they ask, where do you give your financial advice? 30% of people saying it's Google. Google's is a great tool. We're not here to argue that today. What we kind of wanted to look in, to kind of do our own study is when you Google some of the most common rules of thumb or the most common financial information that's out there, what do you get? Is it good advice? What do we think about some of the things you can find when you do an internet search? So, Lauren, we're just going to Google it.
0: Let's Google it. Let's Google it. Let's Google it. I got one antidote before we uh, start to Google it. The, the reason that the top 10 of my Google, my search history is all about HBO Max is because when I Googled it, there was all of these different articles about what I was looking for. And so I would read through an article that did not apply to me. I'd read another article that did not apply. So the top 10 is all about this HBO Max. Eventually I found it, but it took a lot of different articles and, uh, and links within the Google search. And that's just an HBO Max. And ultimately, if I couldn't figure it out through Google, who cares? When it comes to retirement planning, when you Google anything that you are have questions about with with retirement planning, so as an example, before we started this podcast this morning, I Googled what is a retirement plan. So Rochelle, if you want to Google that, go ahead. What is a retirement plan? There was 7.2 billion hits. Wow. Seven point, just on that topic, what is a retirement plan? So if you are in the pre-retirement phase looking for answers to all of these questions that you have and your main source of information is Google or coworkers or parents or friends or other people who have been retired, that's where it can really become confusing. And so Google can work. I love it, especially when I was redoing the house, right? I spent a lot of time on Google, (laughs) uh, but the, the stakes are much lower because if i don't tile my bathroom correctly okay i don't t- i didn't tile my bathroom correctly if i mess up on social security that's a permanent decision that could cost me tens or in some cases even hundreds of thousands of dollars over the course of my retirement
2: how many billions showed up
0: 7. Who
2: okay? Because when I did the search of what is a retirement plan, 447 million
0: showed up. Uh, do it again, see if it's a different number. Do you see billion? <clears throat> yeah, billions, a big 7.2 billion answers, billion. hits. So the same thing that she's looking it
1: says at. about 447 million <laughs>
0: results.
1: <laughs> So what is a retirement plan? Clearly a lot of different answers. Let's start with one of those, oh, retirement rules of thumb. Or people often ask you this, Lauren. They ask you, do I need a million dollars to retire? So Rochelle, you've searched it on Google. Give us two or three different headlines that you're seeing. Well, the top one that
2: pops up is how long will a million dollars last in retirement? Another one by usnews.com says, can I retire on a million dollars how far will it go and then the last one can you retire on a
1: million dollars not the last one but just three of the top ones so trying to answer the question one that came up for me was is three million dollars the new one million a lot of them also tell you how to save a million you know if a million is your goal that you have and they don't tell you necessarily like what age to start that goal or they're just trying to get you to a million so Probably some good information to be gleaned from some of those articles, but that Google search didn't include a lot of information.
0: And the most important information that it didn't include was your specific information. As an example, how much money do you need on a monthly or yearly basis to maintain the lifestyle that you've grown really accustomed to? For the last decade, probably you've had a certain lifestyle, you've had more discretionary spending than uh, capability than you've ever had before, and you don't want that to go away all of a sudden when you retire. And there's two, two Two things working for you there. One is now you have more time at your disposal than what you ever have. And if you think about while you're working, what days of the week do you spend most of your money? It's going to be those two days of the week that you don't work. And for many people, that's the weekend. In retirement, every day is a weekend. So you have all this time on your hand. Uh, you're, you're motivated. You're energetic. You want to do things and doing things cost money. The other thing with that Google search is that does not get to the root of what the question really is. So people are asking, do I need a million dollars? Not because they want to know, do they really need a million dollars? The number one concern of most pre-retirees as they make that transition is do they have enough, right? So whatever amount they have, is it enough or are they going to run out of money before they run out of time? That's the root of why they're they're asking that question. So None of the Google search is going to answer that question because of the specifics. There are people out there who have $2 million. They retire with $5 million and they can run out of money. In fact, we hear this story all the time, especially with athletes, right? If you, if you uh, look at an NFL player, they made a, might have made $60 million over their eight, nine year career and 10 years into retirement, they're broke. And it all has to do with the equation of here's how much money you have to, to spend, Here's how much money you've saved, and then here's what you're taking out on a monthly or annual basis. And that plan has to work together. If those numbers are disproportionate, then you're gonna run out.
1: And also conversely, a lot of people retire comfortably on a lot less than a million dollars.
0: Most people do not have a million dollars going into retirement. Most people don't have a million dollars going into retirement. But once they construct, once we construct your retirement plan, you can see if you have $600,000 and you maximize your social security, maybe you have a little bit of pension or maybe you don't, but you need to spend five, 000, six, 000, seven thousand dollars a month. This is how it works. So here's how you maximize the resources that you have, whether it's $300,000, $600,000 or $6 million. You want to make sure you get the most out of it. And you want to have confidence that you're going to be able to have the lifestyle that you've grown accustomed to with whatever amount of resource that you have.
1: And one more thought on that million dollar mark, whether again, that's for you, 500,000, 1.5 or a million well, sounds like a lot of money, but the real power in the money is whether it's been taxed or not too.
0: Yeah, it comes down to spendable income. I mean, you might have $2 million saved, but you've never paid a dollar of tax on that $2 million. So then you take that money out in retirement. And if you don't have a coherent plan to pay for your lifestyle, you're just taking money out to do so. And it's not a tax efficient strategy, then you're going to spend way more money in taxes than what you have to. So it's not about how much you're bringing in it's about how much you can spend it's about how do you how do you keep the most of your resource because if again going back to that 2 million dollars over the course of your retirement you might end up paying over a million dollars in tax, which is crazy to think about. But we run those projections for our families to see what kind of tax bill would they have? What kind of retirement tax bill would you have if you retire and don't do any tax planning? And then we look at what kind of retirement tax bill you could have if you do the tax planning. And oftentimes it is a six figure savings on your retirement tax bill because of that tax planning that is involved within your overall retirement plan.
1: Okay. Let's do a Google search. You need 80% of your income to retire. You need it. That's what you need. We're checking it out.
0: Well, of course you need 80%, right? Because you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year while you're working. So in retirement, Of course you need $80,000. Doesn't that make sense? Let's see what Google says.
2: So this is actually a commonly searched question because it has come up as I was starting to type it in. Top one is how much do I need to retire comfortably? How much money do I need to retire by AARP? how much money do i need to retire investopedia so yeah. everyone's having discussions about it cuz
0: this also goes back to the real root question of do i have enough do i have enough what what amount should i be spending what what are most retirees spending when they when they retire everybody wants that familiarity right and if somebody else is doing it then it must work and it should be right for them and this is also where the customization is important and in fact if you go by the 80% rule what we find is most retirees end up spending less than that 80%. So you're overprojecting projecting what it is that you're going to need, which means it could prevent you from retiring when you really want to. If you're 63 years old and you're going by the 80% rule and you're you're doing the calculation say, there's no way I can afford that. But if you construct your retirement plan with your details, in reality, you might only need 65%. So if you're going off the 80% rule, you may not be able to retire at 63, so then you work till 65, but you desperately want to retire. If you actually construct a real income plan as a part of your retirement plan, you can see, you can retire and have way more assets left over than what you thought, and then you can retire at 63 with confidence.
1: Yeah, and what a great feeling that is, because part of retirement is, do I have enough? And to actually see it on paper and not just kind of guess, well... I think I can spend 80% and then you read those articles too and some say 70% of is a good goal. But again, also, let's talk about the spending in retirement. It is not a straight line. It tends to be a little bit more of a smiley face. So one year you might need 80 or 90, one year you might need 120% of what you made, well, what 30 years ago when you retired. I mean, it's it's not a straight line.
0: There's three distinct phases of, of most people's retirement. The go-go years, that's when you retire, you have energy, you're motivated, you have all this new time you've never had before, and most people are spending more during the go-go years of their retirement than what they are in the slow-go and then the no-go. So usually what we see retirees is in the go-go years, they're spending money on things they want to spend money on. They're using all this discretionary money for the, for the travels and the kids and the grandkids. The slow-go years, they don't have as much motivation to travel and do all these things that cost extra money. They've really settled into retirement. They've really settled into their lifestyle. They're more content without doing all this extra stuff and it costs less money. And then in the no-go years, they're really not doing a whole lot and the money that they're spending is all gonna be based on what they need from a health standpoint. So if you have a lot of health uh, healthcare needs and it costs money, like a long-term care type situation, you're gonna spend money in the no-go years. It's just not on the stuff that you were spending it on in the the go-go years. But you're right. It's, it's not a linear increase uh, in reality. A lot of plans will show a linear increase in their expenses. You retire at 65, you need $6,000 a month. And then next year you need 6,200 a month. And then next year you need 64. It, it's not really how it works in reality. And so the retirement plan needs to reflect what your retirement vision is and what your lifestyle is going to be.
1: Next thing up on the Google list here is save 10% of your income. So we got a couple that I want to point out. Why saving
2: 10% won't get you through retirement? And then one title was so long, I had to actually click on it. Um, Here's the salary you need to earn to save 10% of your income and retire with a million dollars. Oh, there's that million again. There's the
0: million. Yeah. T- 10% for most people isn't going to get it done. Maybe if you start at 18 and you're diligent 10% every single year for the next 40, 50 years. But for most people, they don't start at 18. Most people, they really don't start saving hard for their retirement until their 40s because they're doing a lot of other things early on and they don't have as much discretionary income to pile away for for retirement. So most people are going to try to save much more than 10. And you see articles out there that say 15% is what you need. You're going to see articles out there at 20% of what you need. And and that is the value of having an accumulation plan. So we're always talking about the retirement plan because that's what we do. Uh, but when you're 30 and 40 the accumulation plan can help you identify here's how much you need to save based on all the information that we know today and then that plan should be modified as you go through the years now you're 40 here's your savings here's what you think your retirement's going to look like in time frame now you're 50 here's your savings. Here's what you think your retirement timeframe is and what your new vision is. And it should just continue to be modified as life changes.
1: And I think it's probably not a bad idea to follow some formula in your twenties, thirties, forties, and fifties, because you don't at, at 30 know what you're going to need for sure at 65.
0: What what I like about Because we often talk about these rules of thumb in a negative light. Yeah. Right? So what I like about the rule of thumb in the accumulation years is you're right. The hardest part about retirement planning in your 20s, 30s, and 40s is just getting started. So if you you pay attention to some of these rules of thumb, like you need to save 10% or 20% or whatever you're Googling and coming up with, at least it puts it in your mind and you may not be able to do that at that particular point in time at 25, but you're still thinking about it. And maybe at 27, you can start saving 7% and you can ramp that up. And eventually you're going to get to this target that is going to further the ball than if you didn't have that in your mind and you didn't get started. So from that standpoint, it does give a structure and it can be the impetus for uh, people starting to save for their retirement down the road.
1: Now it's time to search some investing rules. One of those ones that gets floated around there is 100 minus your age. What'd you find, Rochelle? Uh, The top
2: one is, is the 100 minus age rule still good for good retirement advice? We also have uh, the 100 minus age rule puts retirees at risk. Um, but something confusing that came up uh, in Google. It also has like the people also search for, and it gives you the arrows down. It then put what is a 120 rule in investing. Oh, more rules
0: lots of rules
1: lots of numbers what, what
0: i do like about that is it uh it does highlight how using the rule of 100 can put investors at risk and the risks are different for different types of investors based on their situation but often what we find with the 100 100 minus your age rule
1: let's the, explain that rule real quick yeah. before we
0: so essentially what it means is is take 100 and subtract your age so if you are 60 you got 100 subtract 60 that means that 40% of your portfolio should be invested in equities so 60% of it should be invested in fixed income 40% of it should be invested in equities you're 70 30% of it should be invested in equities but what we find is in a, in a spe, see that rule is just a standard it's it's generic it takes into nothing else into consideration except for your age but economic times change and there's a lot of different things that can happen with the economy and with your investment portfolio that are outside the scope of just your age. So as an example, in this economic environment, bonds are not doing much at all. In fact, if you have 60% of your portfolio in bonds in this market, then that's probably 60% of your portfolio that is going to lose money this year. Because bonds are not, it's not a good market for bonds. So if you have 40% of your portfolio in equities, 60% of your portfolio in bonds, 60% is probably going to lose at least two to three, four or 5% this year, 40%, we have no idea what that's going to do. Now we think that the equity market might do well, but what if it doesn't? What if it's zero? What if it's minus five? So now you have your whole portfolio that is losing because that rule does not take into anything into consideration except for just your age. So the investment plan, your investment plan needs to be much more dynamic and customized to all of the different factors uh, outside just how old you are.
1: The
2: 4% rule in retirement. Um, I absolutely love this headline because there's like... All caps. So someone's going to click on it and be like, oh, gosh, this is super important. Mm-hmm. So Show caps. <laughs> so it's fueling the FIRE uh, movement,
1: updating the 4% rule for early retirees. And the FIRE movement is like people that try to retire at like 45 and 50. So they are, I've read a little bit about some of these FIRE people, they are... What's the word? Really good savers. And they live on like nothing. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. It seems like at least once a month, I see some article out there about this, this 40 something or even younger that has retired and they've saved basically every dollar scrimped and saved anywhere they possibly can. They've attained their goal, whatever that is, a million, million and a half. And now their plan is just to retire for forever and live off of that savings. So part of, the, part of the issues that they can run into is if they're using a 4% rule, you know, the, the articles that I've read anyway don't get into the detail of how they're going to get it done. They've just reached this pinnacle of success in their mind and, and they're going to ride off into the sunset.
1: And let's talk about with a typical retiree, a little more typical situation, 65, this 4% rule, what? It's the rule at which or the rate at which you can withdraw should withdraw or could withdraw from your retirement funds in order to still have what enough left to get through retirement?
0: As an example, if you have a million dollar portfolio that you can take 40,000, 4%, 40,000 out of that portfolio and have a high level of confidence, you're not going to run out of money over the course uh, up until age 90. So that's what the 4% rule is predicated on. What the 4% rule fails to take into consideration is what the market does. So as an example, back to that million dollar portfolio, uh, 4% of it's 40,000. What if we go through a recession? On average, we do see recessions every five, six years. So over the course of your 20 to 30 year retirement, you will see many recessions. So if you have a million dollars, you need 4%, you're taking 40,000 out. We go through a recession kind of like 08. And now your million dollars is down to, name the number, doesn't matter, $700,000. So you lost 30%. Do you want to take a lifestyle pay cut of 30% to make sure that you're staying with that 4% rule? Most people don't want to because you want to continue to do the things that you want to do. So you're not taking a pay cut. And which means now you're not taking out 4%, you're taking out closer to 5 or 6%, which makes it unsustainable. So the 4% rule can work if you're really diligent and you're okay with your lifestyle moving like the stock market or, the, or your portfolio. Most retirees are not, and that's why the 4% rule doesn't work well long-term for most retirees.
1: And the Google search information I found was conflicting. Some were saying 3%, some were saying 4%. Some were saying this is an old archaic rule that was developed in the 90s when we were in much different economic times. So again, some good information, but some conflicting information when you search some of these rules of thumb on Google.
0: Yeah. And if you look back at, it used to be the 5% rule. And part of the reason it keeps changing is it just doesn't work. And those types of general rules do not take into consideration changing economic times. And over the course of your retirement, I guarantee you that the economy is going to change many times. So that's why you need to keep updated on your retirement plan, your income plan every single year to make sure it reflects all the necessary inputs that it needs to.
1: And another, what, investing piece that we decided to Google today was how to buy on the dips. Because, Lauren, you know what I want to do? I want to buy on the dips. I want to get rich.
0: You wanna I, I want to sale. Everybody likes a good I sale. like a
1: good sale. But I don't want to take a lot of risk. But I want to get rich. Yes. Okay.
0: All right. That sounds perfect. All right.
1: Well, show me how Let's to buy the dips. Right. Buy Teach the, me. Buy in the dips. What, what's Google tell me what to do?
2: Um, you can buy dips at Walmart and Target. <laughs> <laughs> Sour cream-based dips are my favorite. Um, that does come up. But otherwise, it says, what does it mean to buy? Buy the dips. Buy the dips means purchasing a promising stock when it's priced and then it just stops. So it's just kind of all over the board. Okay,
0: so what do you do with that information? It's going to teach me how to buy on the dips. I'm going to Walmart to buy some dips. Basically. What what buying on the dips, uh, what we're talking about, from a financial standpoint is the market has its ebbs and flows, right? It's going to be up, it's going to be down. When it's down, that's the dip or a discount. I like to call that as a discount. In 2020, we saw an incredible discount. The market was down 34% in 22 days. That is a dip. That's a much better dip than what we'd ever get at Walmart when it comes to buying on the dips. So now it's a matter of how how do you have an intentional and active plan of taking advantage of the inevitable ebbs and flows of the market? One of the strategies, and there's multiple, but one of the strategies that we use quite a bit 2020, 20, is we had a piece of the money that was kind of foundational money. Regardless of what happened with this crazy market, we knew that was a piece of money that was not going to lose. And then when the dip happened, the 20% down, the 30%, and ultimately 34% down at its max, we could take the money from that foundational asset, because it didn't lose. It wasn't down at all. And we could put it back into the market in a very intentional way. So what our families recognized in 2020 is we didn't have to lose any money on this piece of the portfolio. We could buy on the discount or the dip, and then we could take advantage of the, the market, as it rebounded the entire way through 2020. So that doesn't happen every year, but I can tell you that that on average market corrections, which is where the market is down between 10 and 20%, so market corrections happen on average every year. That doesn't mean we get them every year, but on average. So as an example, 2019, we did not get a market correction. The market pretty much went straight up all year. 2018 we got two market corrections. So if we're using a buying on the dip strategy, 2018 we had r- two really good opportunities, one in the spring, one in in the winter. 2019 we really didn't, but that's okay. So if you if you have an intentional strategy that is built to take advantage of it, it can work really well. But this is something that's very hands-on. Most people don't want to be that hands-on with their portfolio. And that's part of the value that we bring to our families. That's part of the value that an active retirement planner can bring to your families. That reminds me of a a study that Vanguard did. And and Molly, there was another one you came up with. I can't remember who did. Maybe it's Fidelity. Yeah, it might have been. But but either either way, the Vanguard study said that if you have an active retirement plan with a retirement planner, that it can add in excess of over 3%, in excess of over... It can add 3% or more to your average return every single year. And this is part of the strategies that can add to the excess return that a retirement planner can bring to the overall portfolio.
1: Yeah, because as soon as you read maybe a Google article about buying on the dip, that could be old information because literally there are people and you can explain this better than me that are watching this stuff minute by minute second by second and and then making adjustments but us as the average investor or someone who's got another job you know trying to get that pressure of individually on our own buying on the dip uh that sounds like it could be clearly a full-time
0: job also it's it's very dicey i mean uh the hardest part about buying on the dip is when is it over Right? How bad is it really going to get? In 2020, we didn't know it was going to end at 34%. We didn't know that was going to be the worst. Uh, in 2008, remember every time we turned on the news, they were talking about how you, you need to go get your money out of the bank because the banks are folding. FDI, There's a run on FDIC, FDIC insurance. Uh, you go to the ATM tomorrow, you're not going to get money out of the ATM. Right? There's all this news and what ifs, and so nobody really knows how bad the pain is going to get. Uh, and especially if it's your portfolio where you're seeing your million dollars go to 800000 700000 and you're retired knowing you're not going to ever make money again. You have to live on this pot of money for the rest of your life. It can be extremely stressful. Yeah, it's a very emotional thing, and that's part of the benefit of what we bring for our families is we take the emotion out of it as much as we possibly can, and we engage in that strategy so they don't have to worry about it. And then uh, when we eliminate or mitigate the impact of emotional responses, we can have a much more positive effect long term.
1: You might have some retirement questions that you're Googling. Here's a great opportunity to speak directly with a retirement planner. It's a 15-minute complimentary retirement checkup call. You can schedule one right now by going to MerkleRetire.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E Retire.com. Right there, you'll get linked up to the schedules of our retirement planners, and you can schedule your individual complimentary 15-minute retirement checkup call today. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast, tell a friend about what you learned today and come back for more because when it comes to retirement planning, there is a lot to tackle. We'll continue talking about it on this podcast. It's Retiring Today and we thank you for listening. Merkel Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC. Let's Google some good lunch spots. Is it too early?